Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line. Hour number two with Dane and Kevin. What we've been doing, Kevin, is digging into the rookie running back ranks for fantasy football. And one point that I want to make, okay, overall, if you're in a rookie league or a dynasty league where rookies are really the only ones drafted, we're going through these running backs. One thing Mm -hmm. I do want to say here, Kevin, is on the whole, I think running backs should be drafted over wide receivers or tight ends or other positions because it's more likely that a running back in their rookie season can kind of, pardon the pun, hit the ground running and actually be effective and productive in year Mm -hmm. one. We see that a lot more often than, say, a rookie wide receiver really taking the league by storm or a rookie tight end taking the league by storm. And it's honestly, in my opinion, because learning the route tree at the NFL level is a lot more complicated than, you know, hit the hole and get into daylight. So Mm -hmm. I do lean towards running backs over rookie pass catchers in general. Does that make sense? 100 percent. I think it's it's kind of long been agreed upon. The easiest transition to make right. from the collegiate game to the pro game is is football um, or is the running back, rather. Yep. Excuse me. And I, th- I think that we consistently kind of see that play out. It's the running back. Not to say the running back position is easy, because that sounds like a bad taste. It just but more. Yeah, it's just kind of ah, you'll figure it out. It's also it's a it's a position that's production is greatly impacted by its surrounding pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And that is true. But, you know, the role of running back is in the NFL is more similar to the role of running back in college than in a lot of other positions. You know, quarterback, you're digesting a playbook, taking snaps under center. The offensive line is completely different, you know, and then when we talk about the route tree and things of that nature. But you just clapped. So what are we thinking? Oh, because you're talking about the transition, like quarterbacks yeah. in college are all have to do this. Oh, right. Right, or they're seeing yeah. like a piece of oak tag on the sideline, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, with actors on it or something to figure out. And it's a little bit different when that coach is in your headset until 15 seconds left and you're taking a snap under center. But I digress. We're talking about those rookie running backs and who we would prioritize in fantasy football drafts moving forward. We had we had a similar top five, right? I may have had someone at two that you had at four. I may have had someone at one that you had at two. But we're talking in general about you know, the same guys that we think will be first to go. And you were mentioning Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers is a good back. My problem, why I didn't have him higher, I had him like seven or eight. The reason I didn't have him higher is two words. I am really high on Daryl Henderson. I really am. I saw Daryl Henderson last year coming out of Memphis. And when you talk about, like, highest yards per carry, that was Henderson in Memphis, okay? And I believe, and you mentioned it, they used a high draft pick on him as well, okay? And I just think in this committee, I think Henderson is going to get kind of like first bite at the apple. And Mm -hmm. at least to start, he will be ahead of Akers in that coveted role to absorb some of the Todd Gurley's carries. I just I just really like Daryl Henderson and think he's going to be more involved earlier on than it sounds like you do. I think that's I think like see my problem is I don't think they like Daryl Henderson as you like Daryl as much as you do. Mm. Because then why would they draft Cam Akers like that? Because now. Every team is going at it with three. That's why. One hundred percent. But that's an awful way to go about. Like you can go at it with three by picking up Carlos Hyde and okay. and then running back in the fifth round. I hear you. You don't need to use. It was the first pick they made. That's to me, Dane. I think where I just think that they must have not liked what they saw from Henderson's Maybe. limited touches. Yeah, that's possible. The only other thing that downgrades me is, listen, I've been talking about the Rams as a fantasy herd forever at the wide receiver position. Now, I know they don't have cooks, but they, you know, they liked Josh Reynolds. They drafted Van Jefferson. And when I think about the Rams offense as a whole and McVay, I also think about them throwing and leaning more towards the pass than the run. And so unlike, say, Baltimore, you know, I think he also gets dinged in that way. The guy I have next in my list was DeAndre Swift. So, you know, we've covered him already. Uh, he was my five. So I have Taylor, Dobbins, Edward Tiller, Keyshawn Vaughn, who we've talked about at four, mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift at five. I told you I had Akers a little bit lower. Now, the next guy that I have, I don't think, I don't know if you have on your list. Okay, you do, you do, but you have him slightly lower than I do. I have him six. 
You have him seven, so we're talking about the same thing. It's Zach Moss in Buffalo. Yeah. I think this is an interesting one. I really, really do. I think, again, Buffalo is changing their offense. They are an offense in flux to me, okay? And you talk about no Todd Gurley. Well, in Buffalo, no Frank Gore. Now, I know there's Devin Singletary there, and I know they like him. I like him. I think he's an emerging talent, okay? But this is one of the few situations where I can name two backs, but not three, okay? And so this idea that there's just a timeshare, potentially, with Moss and Singletary, I think is a huge boom to his potential. Think about all of the other teams we've talked about. We've named two, we've named three backs or more, or three backs and a quarterback, right? So Hmm. I think the fact that it's only two here, and it's more of your old timeshare with Singletary, I think is helpful. I also think the Bills are a team on the rise. We have talked about this. I think they're going to be winning more games. And I think Moss is the early down in between the tackles. I think he's the thunder of the thunder and lightning. I think Singletary, while he can do it as well, will be more of the pass-catching third down back. This is what Moss did in college. And I just think people don't know about Zach Moss at Utah. I think he was an incredible back. And I think... He's in a good situation with a team who will be up late and a team that I think is scoring more. And I think Moss will also be the goal linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, which helps him in fantasy. So I have him slightly higher than you. I have him six. You have him seven. Yeah, I mean, Zach Moss walks into a really nice situation where Devin Singletary, I don't think the Bills envision as a three-down bell cap. Correct. I think that they liked what they had kind of going with him and Frank Gore last year. Kelly fills the Gore role. I mean, excuse me, Moss fills the Gore role. And I think that Zach Moss, Singletary should have saw more carries than he did last year. And I think he will get a bit more, but I still think there's a nice baseline there for Zach Moss. And I think him out carrying, not out touching, but out carrying Devin Singletary is very much so in play. And yes, I think he can find himself in the end zone enough times to where and that's kind of the thing with some of these running backs is we got a bit lower it's just like there's a i know he's going to produce at some level that's right and and that's why you know zach moss made it to seven for me that's right so here's what i'll also say i think zach moss has a much more safer floor than some of the other backs even backs i have ahead okay i think zach moss is a safer pick than Keyshawn vaughn Okay. The upside of Vaughn, especially in PPR formats, in that offense, I think is tastier, shall we say. Mm -hmm. But I think Moss, if you're in a place like, let's say you're in a dynasty league, right? And you already have good running backs. Okay. Then I think Moss is the perfect kind of guy to draft who can be kind of this guy could stash away. He could be a flex play, let's say. And I think he's going to, you know, give you safety because of that offense and because of who he is as a back. So Kevin, you know, when we get to the top six or seven, we pretty much have the same names, just rejiggered. I'm going to now say someone in my list that I don't think you have in your top 10. And Mm -hmm. Kevin, we've been doing this show for a few weeks now. We've done other shows. I think you are now at the point where you know that I sort of wax poetic and I have rose colored glasses for the Los Angeles Chargers, and that applies here. I got Josh Kelly out of uh, UCLA up next for me, okay? This is love for that offense. I think we have seen the Chargers offense be able to sustain two running backs be viable in fantasy. We've seen it before. Okay, we saw it with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. When Gordon was out, there were times when Austin Eckler was the lead dog, and like Justin Jackson was legitimate. And now Jackson is still there. This is the dreaded RBB3, but I think Kelly is a piece of that. Remember who Austin Eckler is. Austin Eckler got paid, but he ain't a workhorse back either. Okay, and I think Kelly is an actually perfect piece for this offense, and I think he's going to be utilized well in what I think is a dynamic offense. He's kind of one of these diamond in the roughs for Mm. me. I knew he wasn't going to be on a lot of lists. I want to make the point that I think he will produce in this Chargers offense. Yeah, so I think the the pros are also being able to play next to someone like Tyrod Taylor. We know that Anthony right. Lynn uh, comes from a running back coach's background, and he right. uh, if he can spot the talent, then that's good. Where I disagree with you is I think Austin Eckler is a workhorse back. I think we saw it last year. I think, like, it was – look, it's surprising, it's jarring, but it was better than Melvin Gordon. Right. And this Austin offense, Eckler had me win leagues last year. Okay, yeah, I had a lot oh, of Austin absolutely. Eckler. I treated him as last year's version of James Conner. 
mm-hmm. as the guy who I was going to get and win. And trust me, I love me some Austin Eckler. Yeah. But is he? But remember also, here's another thing we've once said. Once he gets the long-term contract, which he did for the Chargers, right? Mm-hmm. Do they now manage his reps because they know they need to stretch him out over four years? They can't really chew him up and spit him out anymore like teams do with other backs. So I think they kind of, you know, yeah. have more of a committee, and I don't think he's a workhorse back. You do. That's interesting. Keep going. It, it, it might not be Saquon Barkley, right? Like Christian McCaffrey. But right. I still – I think it's – the level below that, maybe, for Eckler. I just – he did it so well last year. And I think that it would be silly to pay him and be like, okay, now we need to manage. You shouldn't have paid him then. You shouldn't have paid him. Okay. Pay him. Use him appropriately. And if now when we hit year three, you're like, all right, there's a little bit more tread on that tires. Good thing we drafted a diamond in the rough, like Dane right. said, and we get some more work out of Kelly. All right. Fair enough. Listen, and I acknowledge and admit – that I am have always been high on the Chargers offense. I think it is dynamic. And to the point before, you said, you know, Todd Gurley is gone for the Rams. All these carries are out there available. Well, on some level, Melvin Gordon is gone. I understand Eckler is still there. And don't get me wrong. I believe Eckler could be an RB1 this year. I acknowledge that. But I also believe that the Chargers offense could potentially sustain two yeah. running backs. I know you go to an interesting place after mm. these names that we have talked about. You go to a slash kind of yeah. play. This next name, a running back, a wide receiver, or something else? I don't know. I mean, he's going to be RB eligible, I think. I think he I might be eligible so for, for both. It's Antonio Gibson for, uh, for Washington. My thing with Gibson. Now, there are running backs in front of him, both AP and Geis. And Adrian Peterson hanging on a little bit. We'll see. And Geis, to me, is a very good running back, but unfortunately can't stay healthy. I don't know what Gibson's workload looks like from a pure running back perspective. But I think there's a world where he's the second best pass catcher on this football team. Hmm. And they need weapons. And the Redskins are not good. And they're going to be playing from behind. And I think he's going to make his way – onto the field. Chris Thompson is gone now. I believe he landed in Jacksonville. Yep, Jacksonville. So that's the attraction for me with Antonio Gibson. He might snag himself five carries a game. He'll probably be wildly efficient in those carries. And I also think he's going to get himself some nice pass catching work. They can line him up as a wide receiver and he's mm-hmm. playing and he's running back eligible for, for your fantasy team. I like Antonio Gibson. All right, fair enough. Now, listen, here's the thing. I think Antonio Gibson is a good player. I like the role he has. I think the idea of the Taysom Hill type is going to be uh, in vogue, shall we say, in the NFL. The problem I have with this is the Washington football's offense. I think they are the worst offense in football. I am not going to have any member of the Washington football team. I love Darius guys too, pork fried guys. But I'm not taking anybody where I got to trust Dwayne Haskins under center. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Everybody, welcome back to the early line. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we're talking about these rookie running backs and kind of getting ahead of the curve to see how you should prioritize them in fantasy. Now, remember, check your settings. The number one rule of all fantasy, right? Because in PPR, maybe a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn is more uh, attractive to you in a dynasty format, right? Maybe someone like a J.K. Dobbins is more attractive to you because you know uh, Mark Ingram will be moving on. I know we're going to talk about another guy coming up who will be a more attractive, I believe, in future years as well. But we're talking about Antonio Gibson, the kind of slash player of the Washington football team. And I have to make this point, Kev. Here, I go back to the overall offense, yeah. okay? If, if Antonio Gibson was the same kind of slash player on the 49ers, he'd be Debo Samuel, and he'd be amazing, right? And we'd use him a lot. If he was on the Saints, I'd be like, oh, wow, I could use this guy. But on Washington, I don't trust the offense. Like, they're going to be one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And as most fantasy players know, touchdowns is what moves the needle. And Washington, to me, if they average 12 points a game, you know, 
where's that production? I like pork fried Geis as a running back as well. We talk about McLaren, you know, so even on a offense that I think is going to be the worst five in the league, he is at best the third or fourth option. And so when I think of those things, I think Antonio Gibson may be a player that is better for the real life team than he is for fantasy, given kind of, you know, the threat he poses on end arounds. And, you know, I think he will pose issues for defensive coordinators, but I don't think that leads to production for fantasy managers. I think part, so, yes, that offense is not going to be good. And I'd rather, you know, I, of course, I'd, I'd much rather him on a, on a better football team. Where I think, like, that's why I have Kelly over Gibson. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the Chargers just a better offense. But I think how Gibson makes it to eight for me is that I think he is going to be able to take advantage of how bad they are. And I think he's going to be – okay, he should be near the like the, the leader in snap count for this football team. Because whether he's lined up in the backfield or he's lined okay. up in the slot, he should be on the football field. I think he's going to earn that slash running back wide receiver tag that he has. And that's fair. Um, but in order to do so, he has to be effective. And he has to be effective in the context of that offense being led right now by Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. So shall see. I'll take the under. You can take the over. For example, though, Kevin, like Brandon Ayuk, right, who got drafted by the Niners, right, and is explosive, all that. I got a lot more faith that he's going to be used effectively in San Francisco than, say, someone like Gibson will be used in Washington. But I digress. Let's keep on going. Um, next for me was Akers. We've already covered him. Um, two running backs that I have at 9 and 10 for me are guys that I don't think you have on your list. One for me is uh, P. Ryan here in the Jets. Okay. And Gore does not threaten this to me. I think P. Ryan is going to be this third down back. I think he's going to be interesting in pass casting formats. Now, we have said this before. The idea that when there's one of these bruising running backs, it also sends the signal to the defense of what's going to happen here. I think the fact that Lev Bell is a weapon as a pass catcher and as a runner it's similar to P. Ryan as a pass catcher and as a runner. I think Gaze will have some creativity for him. They drafted him in the fourth round. And, and truth be told, I did these ranks, you know, last week before the Jets signed Frank Gore. And so, yes, Frank Gore yeah. does hone into that a little bit. But I like what P. Ryan offers, and I think he will have work out of the shoot as a third down back. So that's why he winds up in my top ten. Yeah, basically, would have been there before the Gore signing, not there okay. after the Gore signing. I think Gase really likes Gore, and sure. I think even if P. Ryan could be a good running back in a third, bound, third uh, down type of setting, Le'Veon Bell's on this football team. I just Correct. think that that's not utilizing the talent to the best of its ability that you would have there. To me, that's, I struggled to see him on the field enough this year. All right, fair enough, and I acknowledge that. We don't know how big of a role uh, Gore is going to have. I do just think Pirine is going to impress, if you want to know the truth. As we look towards the bottom of your list, I see someone that we have talked about and we have faded the drafting of in Green <laughs> Bay, yet he still cracks our top 10. Yeah, AJ Dillon, for me, still had to make the list because they did take him in the second round. Fair. And that, to me, should give him the angle to be the backup back, second on the depth chart for this team behind Aaron Jones. Now, I don't think he's as good as Aaron Jones, and I don't know if he's even good enough to be the second back on this team. That's this right. is basically he lands nine because of where he was drafted for me. And that is almost exclusively the extent of it, Dane. I don't have a great argument. Uh, no, that's fine. Time. Listen, before the draft, remember how I said I was going to be high on Edward Tillaire? Yeah. And that was because I thought he was the kind of back that translates to the 2020 NFL, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I would have liked him anywhere. And I told you, the fact that he landed in Kansas City pisses me off because now the public is going to be on him as well. I have the exact reverse argument for A.J. Dillon, right? The type of back he is yeah. in Boston College, I don't think it translates to the NFL right now or the 2020 NFL. Like, I don't know what his role is going to be. It could be limited to short yardage back, goal line back. You know, could he be a new LeGarrette Blunt who gets three carries for four yards and two touchdowns? Two touchdowns. That's the kind of back I think he's going to be at the NFL. And the other part of this puzzle, he wasn't even on my top 10. 
Kevin. He's mm. not even on my top 10. I have him listed as my bonus Fugazi, someone to forget about because even with the draft position, Aaron Jones led the NFL in rushing yeah. touchdowns last year. Yes, 100%. You know what I mean? So he's the prototype for the in-between the tackles, for the goal line back, but he's in a situation with a running back who does that very well again. Okay, already. And mm-hmm. I know that Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball, whether they have weapons or not. For me, it's just a weird fit. And I don't know that Dylan, I know he was great. And Mike blew it. Cover your ears because he's a Boston College guy. Right. I just don't see the fit. I don't see, I see him as outdated in yeah. the NFL. He's in a backfield where there's two other guys, including someone who I do think moves the needle. I think he had 17 touchdowns last year. I'm talking about Aaron Jones. So it's just a weird pick to me. And we've been, even when we talk yeah. about the Packers, we can acknowledge that, okay, they drafted the heir apparent in Jordan Love. You and I have both said it's the second round pick that makes no sense to us. So I wanted to be consistent with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Dylan cracks the top 10 for me. I'll he is add, a straight up fade. I'll, I'll add that I don't know if they love Aaron Jones. Like, I think, like, which is, and I'm not saying that they're accurate for, for, for feeling that way, the guy that led the league in touchdowns. But I'm not sure that they love him. He had some bad, like, untimely fumbles. He had some bad drops. And the thing is, I don't think A.J. Dillon fixes any of this. I don't. But for some reason, I think they might. And, like, it wouldn't shock me if in week three, Aaron Jones drops a ball and they just turn to A.J. Dillon. Wrongly. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. But basically, when we got to this point in the rookie running backs, um, it was a a situation of – all right, how many of these guys could I see being a second on the depth chart, draft position, and that is kind of where I started to basically use it, what I used as the deciding factor in these uh, No, that's fair. I just, listen, I am a full-out fade on A.J. Dillon, so I got to be consistent. I do not like what the Packers did in the draft. I do not see the role for A.J. Dillon. I would think it would be short yardage. I would think it would be red zone, but then I look at Aaron Jones' 17 touchdowns, and I'm like, hmm, is he really going to fill that role either um the last name i'll have in my top 10 is a name that i know you don't have a a name that a lot of people don't have okay Mm -hmm. it's eno benjamin of the arizona cardinals now listen kevin we have been talking for about a month here about how we're high on the arizona cardinals we think that offense can take another step right and this is just being consistent with that i think eno benjamin shorter guy ppr kind of guy absolutely dynamic at Arizona State. He stays in Arizona, and I listen, I don't remember how I said I don't have faith in the Washington football team to utilize even someone like Gibson. I do have faith that Kingsbury is going to find the use for this guy. I think he's going to have a role in this offense in a PPR formats to start, um, and I think he's going to be interesting. Here's the other part. I know what Kenyon Drake did with the Cardinals here in the second (laughs) half of this season. But I don't know that I'm going to be willing to bet that that's going to be consistent. It's been such a small sample size, right? It's almost like for me, Kenyon Drake is the running back version of Drew Locke this year. You know, what I saw looked good, but am I ready and comfortable to just assume that that's going to happen again? I don't know with Kenyon Drake in the running back room. And I did hear Kingsbury and the Cardinals say that they want to have multiple backs, right? I think they are going to get him in the rotation. Chase Edmonds doesn't really move the needle for me. I can see Benjamin carving out a role. At this point, we're talking about number 10. I wanted to get him on the list. And I think there is a path to production in what I think will be a dynamic offense. And his role will be like Keyshawn Vaughn, in my opinion, that spark plug out of the backfield. So I think he deserved to be noted here for the listeners. Yeah, and I, th- and I think that that's fair. I think Eno Benjamin is a guy that, you know, he'll be interesting to follow along. I think for me, again, being, you know, likely third in the depth chart sure. is will push him back. Kenyon Drake's probably playing his last year in Arizona, though. So, Eno Benjamin, keep your eye more so on if you're doing dynasty leagues. Uh, I close it out with Darrington Evans uh, as the uh, the backup, second back on like the depth I chart. Eno as like a Tyreek Cohen type, you know? Yeah, no. And that's, so this is the thing, right? Weeks one through six, Mm. Eno probably gives you more than Darrington Evans. But Evans is essentially the handcuff back to Derrick Henry, who last year had 400, I mean, with your playoffs included, some odd carries to where we know that sometimes that can really, really mess up with a player moving forward. That's how Evans made it to 10. I wanted to throw you a name here just to see if you even thought on it. I got one more, but go ahead. Maybe it's the same guy. I'm going to Pittsburgh. Oh, McFarlane. Well, yeah. I wanted to ask you, I mean, you can just hit them both. 
Um, about Lynn Bowden Jr., something he could be second on the depth chart in Oakland, played yeah. his quarterback at Kentucky. Right. I'm not sure how I, how to you know manage him. Yeah, I think that's Orland. very interesting as well. I do. Um, in that slash way, similar to Gibson, right? Like they're going to find a way to use him, right? Yeah. But remember, they drafted Ruggs ahead of him, right? They already have Terrell Williams, who's on the outside. They already have Hunter Renfro, who I think is perfect for the slot. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs is going to be something of a bell cow there. So I think he's going to be like a Taysom Hill. I think he's somebody who's going to help the Raiders, who's going to have a couple of weeks where it looks like he's awesome. He <laughs> may help you in a DFS tournament one week, right? But I don't know that he's going to be something, somebody consistently that they use in a real role that warrants being drafted. That's what it is for me. I think Bowden is a very interesting player. Remember, he played quarterback at Kentucky as well. So when you talk about the Jalen Hurts, when you talk about the Taysom Hill, when you talk about Malcolm Perry, the Navy guy that the Miami Dolphins drafted, that's also – I think that's an interesting kind of splash guy, but he wouldn't be the name I would go to. The name I would go to that I just want to throw out there is McFarlane, the Maryland Terps running back who is in Pittsburgh. I think they're souring on Connor. Okay, and this is the same kind of guy like a Benjamin who could be used in PPR formats at first. Um, and just a name to keep an eye on. I think he has explosive potential. We saw that at Maryland. When we come back, we do a deep dive. Today in the NFC North, it's the Minnesota Vikings on tap. Come back. We break down the Vikes and skull. Get your skull clap going. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, we've been going deep into the rookie running backs. And, you know, it's really about their path to carries, how dynamic the offense is. And don't forget to check your settings, okay? Are you a touchdown league? Are you a PPR league? Because that'll obviously, you know, have something to impact the rankings. What we'll do, Kevin, sometime down the road, maybe next week, we'll shine a spotlight on the rookie wide receivers as well. And we'll start to rank them. We'll see where your guy on the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Rager, winds up. (laughs) Number one, number one. He has to be number one. Maybe. I mean, he's not number one on mine. No, he's not number one. We'll see. All right, so what we do today, though, is dig into a team that did not need to be in the running back market in the draft, and that's the Minnesota Vikings, right? We've talked about Dalvin Cook. I'm even high on Alexander Madison. They even went down to Mike Boone in their depth chart. I love you, Mike Boone in like their fantasy playoffs last year. But the Minnesota Vikings, by all accounts, had an interesting draft. I like what the Minnesota Vikings did because they had so many assets. They manipulated the draft, traded, got who they want. I know we both, Kevin, think they addressed the two position groups that they needed to most, right? And that was in the secondary. They lost Xavier Rhodes, franchised a couple of other players, and at the wide receiver position after trading Stephon Diggs, right? They trade Diggs to Buffalo. On the way back, they get the number 22 overall pick, I believe, or maybe 23. It was in the early 20s, and they turn around and draft Justin Jefferson out of LSU. This is a guy who many people believe would be the fourth wide receiver. A lot of people thought he was the best outside of the top three of Judy Lamb and Ruggs, and he goes fifth off the board, but I love what they got in Justin Jefferson. And then they were able to trade back in the first round and address the cornerback position in a way I know you like with Gladney out of TCU. I think they came out good out of the first round. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they hit the two positions that they were looking to with having the two picks that they had in the first round. And now as much as them saying that they didn't do, because a lot of these teams do mock drafts to try and play out as much as they can. And they said that at no point did Justin Jefferson make it to number 22. All right, Minnesota, you did bad mock drafts. That's ridiculous. At I no point. I surprised them. I think everyone I had the Eagles getting Jefferson right before them. I think they surprised them. You're doing yourself a disservice if every single time you pull them off the board at 21. Right. Like, I'm just saying, like, the exercises to prepare you for – I had a buddy once who had the – I think it was the fifth overall pick in, in a fantasy draft, right? And the kid in front of him took DeAndre Hopkins, and he went, oh, no. Now what? Like, he had no backup plan at five. Right. Like, dude, playout scenarios. He's like, he was there every time I did a mock. Playout scenarios. But that being said, Justin Jefferson was a really nice pick. Justin Jefferson is going to be able to come in and contribute to this team. And I think the same is true for Jeff Gladney. I think where 
this Vikings team was really, you know, they helped themselves a lot in this draft. We spoke very briefly about them, I think, in our buildup to the draft on the early line. And I told you that I was not impressed with their offseason. I just felt like they got worse. Losing digs, losing talent in that secondary, and bringing back Kirk Cousins. Like, not all of it was really inspiring confidence for me when it came to this Vikings team. But I like their draft approach. Yeah. I, the, the, the more is more approach that this team uh, put into play, I thought worked. I thought it was, a, you know, it was a draft. When we did the draft grades here at the grid, I gave it an A. I liked what they did a lot. Like, you could even see it all the way back. Uh, Kenny Wilkes, who was an edge rusher or mm-hmm. defensive lineman out of Michigan State, seventh-round seventh pick. Okay, there were some who felt like he had, uh, you know, he could be seen as maybe one of the best run defenders in the whole class. That's what you're able to do yeah. when you have 15 selections, yeah. I think it was. like 15 I, picks I, they made. I really, I really did like what the Vikings uh, were able to do in this draft. Now, is it enough to help them maintain the level they were at last year? I'm not sure. A lot to ask for rookies. There's no way Justin Jefferson is as good as Stefan Diggs this right. year as Diggs was last year. But I did like their draft. All right, fair enough. I like their draft, too. You talked about the quantity approach, and they did make 15 picks. I like the Jefferson pick. I like the Gladney pick. I think they got lucky with Ezra Cleveland falling to them yes, late in round two. Absolutely. He was an offensive tackle that we liked going in, and he was still there. One. Yep, and you know Cameron Dantzler is a name that I was talking about a lot as a cornerback. I wanted the Jets to wind up with him, and uh, the Vikings get him in the third round on their second quarterback. So they got Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney to sort of, uh, you know, replenish what they lost with Xavier Rhodes and others. When I look at their win total, Kevin, they're standing there at eight and a half. We've had this conversation. It looks like the entire NFC North is at there between eight and eight and a half. We talked about the Bears yesterday. They are at eight. Minnesota Vikings, they stand at eight and a half. And here's what I'll tell you. There's heavy juice to the over. Okay, so a lot of people think that they are maybe going to win nine games. The other thing I note that's interesting, when I look at the playoff win, uh, yes, no bet, yeah. The Minnesota Vikings are right on the cusp. Okay, it's literally last time I checked and I'm going to look at it right now, it was minus 110 on both sides. Now they are a slight favorite to yes, they will make the playoffs, but it seems like the money is telling you they're going to be a team right on the cusp of the playoffs. Remember also when I told you about the primetime games, the Minnesota Vikings have 3 primetime games, all of them on the road. How so many on Monday night? What? How many on Monday night? Uh, yeah, for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> we'll go and check that when we look at their schedule. But remember, I told you about other NFC contenders, right? The Seahawks, the Eagles, the Niners. They have the balance of their primetime games at home. The Vikings hit the road three straight times. We'll look at who those games are against. But, you know, that could hurt them, especially a team, Kevin, that are right on the cusp. Well, how do you how do you lean with them uh, on their win total and their playoff? Yes, no. They are they are so frustrating, and it all has to do with Kirk. Last year, right, the NFC North in the balance, I think they were the I think they were hosting the game as well. And they were like five and a half point favorites right. against the Packers, and that was my favorite like screw you sharp moments of all time. Five and a half point favorites against the Packers. <laughs> no like, man's land. Yeah, it was like, what are you guys? And like everybody's laying the Vikings. They're like, this is the you know the sharp side, and they just got handled. The Packers completely handled them, no problem. And the Vikings then you know get themselves slotted into the fifth spot, right? And they then play the Saints in round one of the playoffs, mm-hmm. the wild card round, and they win in overtime. Right. You, I think, won the call for that game. Pass interference. Know? Yeah, because right. we had to stay. I think you were taking over for in-game live. Yeah, and we're like, yeah. hey, we're supposed to switch over at four, but now this game is going yeah. overtime. Right. Um, so, yeah, so you guys were on the call for that game. And I remember, like, because we were kind of over, like, you, you could see us through the glass the way the, the setup is. And I just kept turning back to you, like, losing yep. my mind. Like, And you were like, I, oh, I don't even know what's going on. Like, it was just, it was just, it was one of those crazy things. But they win. And it's like, man, can this be, like, a real moment changer? And then they show up. In San Fran, hit digs on a on a deep touchdown, and it's like they're in this. And right. then they just forget how to play football. And I don't know what to think of that. They lose Kevin Stefanski to right. Cleveland, which I also don't know what to think of that mm-hmm. when it comes to how I'm supposed to feel about Stefanski. I believe Gary Kubiak is now the offensive coordinator. This NFC North is not one that inspires me a ton. It feels like a one uh, a one playoff team division. 
despite yeah. being a playoff team division with lesser spots available. Are the Vikings the team that that kind of takes that spot? I I don't know. I will say this. I'd much rather bet. I mean, are you telling me that the odds what are the odds for them to go over the eight and a half compared to make the playoffs? That's an interesting question. So their yes playoffs is minus one thirty. Okay. Yeah. They're over under at eight and a half, right? They're mm-hmm. over. Let's bring it up again. They're over is minus one fifty. So what they are saying, it's similar. What they yeah. are doing is hedging their bet on the idea of does nine and seven qualify for the playoffs, right? right? And that's the thing. They'll tell you they're favored to get to over eight and a half, right? It's around the same number. That variance is just to give them an out in case nine and seven doesn't qualify for the playoffs or that they're the nine and seven team that get banged out with a tiebreaker. They're right. right there on the cusp. The last thing I'll tell you, I mentioned their three road primetime games. Here's what they are. And I want to know if any of these in a vacuum you would have mm-hmm. considered as a win, but now because it's on the road in prime time, you'd yeah. be more likely to call it a loss because this is a team that seems like they're right on the fringe, right on the cusp. So one win difference, the difference of 10 and 6 to 9 and 7 or 9 and 7 to 8 and 8 could be the difference in the future and the fortunes of these Minnesota Vikings. So here's what their three primetime games are. On the road, Sunday night football at Seattle. <laughs> that I would have considered a loss. I still consider a loss. Yeah. Check this one out, though. Here could be the difference. Monday night football, week 10 at Chicago. Might you have considered that a win, but now it's Cousins prime time on the road, and now that's yeah. a loss? The third one is a horrible spot, Kevin. It's a... Uh, it's Christmas night in the Dome with New Orleans. Right. So that's probably a loss in my opinion. Maybe you don't consider that a primetime right. game. I do. That's a national spotlight game. So I think they lose at the Saints. I think they lose at the Seahawks. But that one in Chicago on a Monday night mm-hmm. could be a difference. You know, it really could. And so when you think about that, does that change your context at all for the Vikings? Yeah, I think as we kind of go through this, that's a bit. I mean, I think when, when we went through the Bears. And we'll do that, um, yeah. You know, I think I, I even that was kind of thinking the Bears had a decent shot. At, you know, the, the Bears beat them last year with Chase Daniels as starting quarterback. Right. Like, that's a real thing that happened. And now they have to go there on a Monday night. And, I mean, I'll ask, like, to me, right, Dane? When it comes to this mon- Monday night football thing, everybody knows because that he thing, can't yeah. win on you Monday night You think that's baked into the line these days? It might be. Right. I mean, maybe not on the initial line that is set, but it might be how people bet it enough to move it a certain way. But when does it become like, he's is he, is he drawing a bad matchup? Is right. it an extra day of rest? Or is every single time now he's on Monday Night Football, he's like, damn it, I'm on Monday Night Football. And he's just showing it. his head. I, so, do you think it's a coincidence? I think it's a little bit of both, okay? It has to be something of a coincidence because it's not like At a huge first, size, right? It's not a huge – it's not like he's played 150 Monday Night games. Sure, though, Right? Sure. So, there's that. The other thing, you have to understand – On Monday Night Football, you're playing better teams. You just are, right? So it's a more chance that he's going to have a bad matchup, see a good defense, and ultimately defecate the mattress. I think this narrative has gone a little bit out of control. Don't get me wrong. You know, he hasn't always performed in those spots. But then what are you going to say, right? He looked good. He looked good against the Saints in the playoffs. Like, so this idea that he can't get it done when, oh. the, when, when, the, when the bright lights are on, I don't know that I fully subscribe to, but it is interesting. It seems like you're a little bit higher on the Vikings, though. Ultimately, yes, no for playoffs. Over, under, eight and a half. I think I'm trying to figure out what is the better bet of the take the minus 130 if they win nine, they're in, or a nine and 17 could miss the playoffs. And honestly, through all of this, maybe it might be the best way, because it might be plus money, is what we didn't bring up, is them just to win the North. Absolutely. And so we'll put that up now, and then we'll continue the conversation about the Minnesota Vikings on the other side of the break. They are co-favorites with the Green Bay Packers. And I think you're right. I think this might be the way to do it if you are confident in the Vikings. They are plus 175 to win the division. And as we've talked about, There could be, you know, a lot of teams grouped up, win totals at eight, eight and a half, at nine. That may be the way to skin the cat. We'll continue to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, their game-by-game schedule, and their fantasy diamonds and fugazis when we come back. This is the early line. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. sportsgrid.com. All right, everybody, we are back here on the early line, right on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. And today, we're trying to find edges for the Minnesota Vikings. Kevin, I think it's interesting. You talked about the NFC North as a division that could kind of be, uh, you know, merged at the top, but a one-team bid, right? There's mm-hmm. kind of like this mid-major where you may have three good teams, but only one of them is going to get the at-large bid. And so maybe the plus 175 to win the division is the best bet there. Yeah, I think I think it is. I would say so because if you're talking like I think nine and seven could win this division this year. I'm excited to to go through the Packers for us tomorrow to okay. really see because I will tell you on a yearly basis mm-hmm. I find myself high on the Packers, high on Aaron Rodgers, and this might right. be the first time where I find myself maybe on the other side of that. I think nine and seven could win this division. Of course, if they win this division, that means they make the playoffs. But like to find that at a plus one seventy five price, I think it's the best value bet when it comes to anybody that is projecting a successful season for them. All right, let's play it out. And by the way, I'm going to tell you right up front, I believe the Vikings, and especially their defense, are much better at home than they are on the road. And they start at home in a game that it sounds like you're going to be very interested in. They start at home bringing in Aaron Rodgers, that bad man. Vikings, Packers right at the gate. So let's see how do you have these guys stacking up. This would be in Minnesota, though. So I'll give them a win. What do you say? So I just want to mention, I believe the numbers on Zimmer at home, out of division, is out of this world. It sure is. But in division is difficult. Now, I said to you, I think my best bet from week one was a a three-and-a-half Packers spread. Uh I almost wonder if I'm already, like, ready to go back on that. (laughs) But, man, you know what? At home, week one, I'm day. gonna give Cousins a good shot here. Let me right. let's start out with a one and zero. I'm we'll with you. One and zero. Then they travel. Uh, tough matchup. They see the AFC South and they travel to Indianapolis here in week two. Wow, uh, that's fun stuff. I'll go with the Colts though. All right, so you have them one and one. Then at home they come back home for the Tennessee Titans. Getting the AFC South out of the way quickly. That's a win. Like based on the way that that the Vikings have been, they win that game, and they cover Fair that enough. game too. They continue in the AFC South. Three in a row, non-conference AFC South. They then go to Houston to take on the Texans. hate that. I don't understand how the schedule is made at all. Um, Man, I do not love this Texans team, but Watson outscores Cousins. I'll go go deuces or wild. Hmm. I like Minnesota here, but you like uh, Houston, so you have them two and two. Let's remember I have them one game better. Then you back-to-back road games at a tough spot. They go to Seattle next week. No way. That's a loss, right? Yeah. All right, so after five, two, three, four, five, you have them two and three. I have them three and two. After that, they come back home, and they see another dome team, the Atlanta Falcons, when they come back. Vikings. All right, you have them three and three. Now, then week seven, they have a bye week, okay? So remember, they'd be coming off the bye for this next big-time matchup at Green Bay. No way. They're not. No, no, no. Green Bay wins, even right. if it's off the bye. Yep, three and wow, four. Wow, what a big spot, though. Then they're home. That will be a big spot. After the bye week, coming back, I like that, too. But, all right, after that, they get a game. I think you'll give them at home against the Lions? Yes. All right, so with half of their season, and this is it. We have them four and four. After yeah. half of their season, this is the kind of team you think they're going to be. Next, they're in division, but they travel on the road to Chicago. Yeah, I think so- then your boy Nick Foles will be under center. And oh, so yeah. And Nick Foles is doing nothing but winning those games. you got to believe it. He owns the Vikings. Don't forget it. Um, and that's a Monday night game in Chicago? Is I don't one? know if that's Monday. Yes, that is the Monday night one, right. The only one way to be on that side. That's right. I believe I the Monday night in this one. You have them losing that one. Then yeah. they are home. And this is going to be a kind of measuring stick game. Uh, Dallas, at home. I think these are two teams that could be in a similar spot at this point. I think we have to – I mean, based off what we know about Dallas – Eileen Vikings. All right, so you have them five and five. Okay, then the Carolina Panthers come into town to, to end November. I, I would I would expect them to win that game, and I think it is now the first time the Vikings would have any streak, according to me. I think I've alternated each right. time. Yeah, pretty much. I think you're going to have them going three in a row, though, after this one, because it's three straight home games. You haven't beaten Dallas. You haven't beaten Carolina. They get to stay rested at home, and the Jags come together. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right, so you have them absolutely. there. 
So you have them seven and five. Then they got a tough spot. They're finally back on the road in Tampa in what could be a playoff matchup against the TB12. Yeah, that's a loss. Do I have this team eight no? That's like, a loss. Eight, yeah, no, eight. Fair um, you have only one more home game, so you may have them winning them all. Uh, you have them seven and six. That last home game is against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, give them the win. Oh, right, so that eight. Uh, their last two are road games. I don't think they're easy, but lucky for them, they are indoors for their last two. Week 16 against the Saints, and then week 17 against the Detroit Lions. Split them? Yeah, split them. You got them going 9-7, and seven, Kevin. I mean, and right that's... There, I, right there, just like yeah. we said. So we didn't find value. Remember, oh. the only one I think we found value so far in the NFC North was the Chicago Bears. I had them a good, like, two or three wins lower than their win total. Their number's 8.5. You got them going 9-7. and seven. Yeah, it feels about right. This is just a division as a whole that I'll, I find myself splitting hairs on. And I think this, I don't know if this is like an obvious thing, but I, maybe not. Whoever wins, whoever has the best division record will win this division. Like, I think that's just going to be our deciding factor. Right. They'll beat each other up. Yeah, I just that's you know why these Packers. That's why these Packers Vikings games are so big to me, and I think it leans Vikings. Right, you know they what? get them at home to open yeah. the season, opening night, and then the time when they go to Green Bay, they're coming off their bye. You know what's really interesting is those division odds, and and we'll have to remember to do this, but if they have those division odds up right before Week One. Mm-hmm. You take the screenshot of how they priced the Packers and the Vikings. And then if they repost them after that game, what the end result looks like. Minnesota's favored at home, three and a half. Because are the Packers are also plus 175? Yeah. They're both yeah. plus 175 to win the NFC North. So the winner is moving off that line. Now, right. I'm not going to go to a minus money price, but, you know, that's just, it's something to kind of keep in mind, like, the perspective of this division is going to shift greatly off mm-hmm. of week one's performance. Yeah, I think that's the true point. All right, so maybe this is the division. And to be quite honest, between now and week one, yeah. it's possible that if you're looking at it right, you might be able to get the Vikings at over plus 200 at some point and get the Packers at over plus 200 at some point, right? And if you could find that and get them both, it's almost kind of like, you know, your outlay then is $200, and if your return is 230 you know, I know it's not a ton of cash, but you could be insuring that unless the Bears kind of sneak on in, which I don't think will happen. One of the other things we're going to do here, Kevin, is our diamonds and our fugazis for yeah. the Minnesota Vikings, all right? So I've got one. I'll lead here. My, my fugazi for the Minnesota Vikings is Adam Thielen, okay? I don't know. That Adam Thielen, listen, he was a revelation for a couple of years, right? A great story. He tried out from off the streets, right? And the last couple of years, he was amazing, all right? Last year, though, he got banged up. I wanted you to remember, though, he is going to be 30 this season, all right? And that is kind of where some of these wide receivers fall off the cliff. It happened to wide receivers that I would consider better than Adam Thielen, so I'm a little bit worried about that. Here's Mm -hmm. the other thing I would say. They used to have Stefan Diggs on the other side. Now Thielen is the undisputed number one wideout. And I think he could have something happen similar to Juju Smith-Schuster last year, where now with the defensive focus on him, he doesn't perform as well. I'm also a little bit worried about him injury concerns because it's the first time it's happened. And I think this offense is going to go much heavily to my diamond in the rough for this team as opposed to the pass game. So for me, Adam Thielen is a fade. He's a fugazi. I'd rather have a lot of other players that are in his area when the draft comes up. If there's Adam Thielen and some of these other dudes still out there, I'm going option B as opposed to Adam Thielen. So I think Thielen will depend a lot on ADP. And I think when we were initially, you know, approaching this team, I think he would have been my diamonds because at the end of the day, I'm not expecting Justin Jefferson to hit the ground running. Fair. And I think that Cousins still has the rapport with Adam Thielen, and I think that they're going to rely on that heavily. I don't, you know, of course it, it helps when you have another guy as good as Stefan Diggs on the other side to, to make your life easier, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think part of the reason that Juju Smith-Schuster was such a disaster last year was he got hurt, then Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges were the quarterbacks. 
And I don't, you know, this right now, I can't project that, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to go down. Right. Thielen's injuries certainly could linger. I think maybe it's even worth trying to, can we even sift through this tight end group to say that, oh, one of these guys could be your second leading? Irv Smith? Irv Smith is starting to come on. But it's split, right? It's Rudolph yeah, and Smith. That's the problem. Just for context, right now, Adam Thielen is going off the board as the 14th wide receiver. So a very high-end wide out, too. Okay? 14. Yeah. Right behind Allen Robinson, who we talked about. Let me tell you the names of some of the guys right behind him that yeah. I would easily rather have over Adam Thielen. Cortland Sutton is one. Give me Sutton over Thielen. Okay? You say no? Not for me. Not no. for you. Okay. Fair enough. Cooper Cup, I'd take over Adam Thielen. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a target and situation. I, I think I'd take Thielen still. Okay, fair enough. Keenan Allen is lower than him. Is that a Tyrod thing, we think? Maybe. But give me Keenan Allen over Adam Thielen. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is under him. T.Y. Hilton is going right now at an ADP of the 24th wide receiver. I'll tell you right now, if I'm staring, if I already have one wide out and we're looking at like the, you know, the fourth round or something like that, the third round, and Thielen or T.Y. Hilton and Keenan Allen are still there, right. I'm taking these other guys. Stefan Diggs is at 25. Thielen's at 14. I'll take Diggs. Okay, and there's some others as well. Who's your uh, Fugazi? Man, I... You know, Kirk Cousins to me is someone I don't want a piece of because I'm pretty sure every year people try and take Kirk Cousins. As, you know, we've talked about, right, like the waiting on the running back type of, or quarterback, right. rather, situation. And a lot of times, like, people are like, ah, oh, Cousins has got good weapons, good talent, can make it happen. I just don't trust him. And I just think there's weeks where you right. get five points, and I can't do that. So right. Cousins is someone who, when we're, you know, using our wait on quarterback strategy, he's not someone, though, that's making my queue of guys that I'm looking to target. No, that makes sense. I completely agree. He's one of the maybe those safe guys as your QB2 that you could always use and you could wait on. And yeah. I'm just going to end it with this. We only got 30 seconds, Kevin. But remember, Dalvin Cook is in a contract year, right? And so this idea of will he hold out and all that stuff, mm -hmm. once he hits the ground, barring injury, I think he's the lock-solid RB1 and could be even a top-five running back this year in fantasy because he will be motivated to earn that contract. What say you real quick? We got about 20 Oh, seconds. yeah. I mean, Dal Dalvin, Dalvin Cook is incredible. Uh, he's someone who proves that the 40-yard dash should not be as valued as much uh, right. as it was. Would the you take Dalvin Cook over Derrick Henry? Yes. Yeah. All right, so there you have it. He's probably one of the top five running backs. Deserves to be a first-round pick. And there you have it on the Minnesota Vikings. We will finish the NFC North later on this week talking about the Green Bay Packers. I'm one of their owners, by the way, Kevin, but I digress. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. For Kevin, I'm Dane. This has been another edition of The Early Line. We'll see you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.